Hello, and welcome to the Awakening Chronicles. I'm Douglas Green, the author of Awakening. Each week, every Wednesday, we'll bring you a new chapter or webisode from Awakening. As our journey into the world of Awakening continues, we begin to come face-to-face -face with the architects of history and how they helped shape our past and begin to sculpt our future one miracle at a time. This week, we come to you from the glorious palace of Egyptian Emperor Akhenaten and his queen, Nefertiti, situated in the newly built city of Thebes over 3,000 years ago, where we bring you Awakening Eye of the Scalian, Chapter 2, titled Evolution 2.0. Emperor Akhenaten is attempting to bring the people of Egypt away from the worship of many gods and turn them to the worship of one god, Aten, the sun god. This has made him unpopular with the priests of the old religion, who seek to prevent this change and, in effect, put them out of business. But Emperor Akhenaten and Queen Nefertiti are determined to see their tasks through to success, thanks in part to a mysterious stranger who appears just when they need him most and offers counsel and guidance to leap them ahead of their enemies and those that oppose their goals, almost as if the future was predetermined. We're very excited to bring this story to you as the first in a trilogy of novels about the Awakening Universe. Awakening tackles the alien intervention theory head-on, with results that are sure to amaze and terrify you at the same time. You can pick up your electronic copy of Awakening Eye of the Scalian online at our website, www.awakeningtheseries.com. As we move forward with production and funding, we will offer printed copies in soft and hardcover format but you can get your advanced copy in Adobe PDF Reader now. Once you pick it up, you won't be able to put it down. Get your copy today at awakeningtheseries.com. We're almost ready to strap you in for the audiobook reading of Awakening Eye of the Scalian Chapter 2 titled Evolution 2.0. As we said earlier, the story takes place in ancient Egypt and chronicles the efforts of Emperor Akhenaten and his queen Nefertiti as they struggled to bring the people of Egypt into a new age of enlightenment with the help of a mysterious advisor. Who is this stranger? What is his purpose for shaping one of the most significant moments in Egyptian history? You just have to listen and figure out for yourself. Here, for your listening pleasure, is part one of chapter two, Evolution 2.0. We hope you enjoy it. Chapter two, Evolution 2.0 The chariot was rushing through the main avenue of the city. Towering columns lined the way as far as the eye could see. The pharaoh's guard stood at attention as the chariot passed, carrying its holy cargo. In the distance, placed on the highest hill in the area, stood the palace of the pharaoh Akhenaten. It was here the chariot was racing to, with the pharaoh holding the reins of the horses as his slave whipped them to full gallop. Women of the city lined the streets with flower petals to honor the returning ruler from his latest journey. Akhenaten was returning from the city of Karnak, where he was supervising the construction of a temple to honor his consort and wife, Queen Nefertiti. Nefertiti had borne him six healthy daughters during their eleven-year marriage. He was blessed with the gift of life she gave him and the city of Thebes. Having moved the capital of ancient Egypt to Akhetaten, Akhenaten had changed his name from Amenhotep IV 
to reinforce the change he and Nefertiti were enacting to move Egypt from polytheistic worship, or worship of many gods, to a monotheistic belief in a single deity, the god Aten, which means sun disk. This change was not without dissent, and Akhenaten had led many campaigns into the desert cities of Egypt to convince the population the way of the sun disk god was the only way for Egypt. Now in the twelfth year of his reign, Akhenaten had several open-air temples erected to the Aten and encouraged the people of Armana to worship daily. This change in religion did not sit well with the priests of the old religion, who saw their revenue and their way of life suddenly taken away from them in favor of this one god, with Akhenaten as its chief high priest. Thus it was the most prosperous time in the history of the Egyptian empire and the most unsteady. Built in the absolute center of the city, Pharaoh's palace was opulent and enormous, with hundreds of rooms both above and below ground. One did not wish, however, to become a guest of the lowest level chambers, as that was where the undecided citizens were indoctrinated to the new sun god. Those that survived the education process became devoted followers. Those that didn't ceased to be. It was a simple choice. The chariot arrived at the front entrance of the palace. Pharaoh's palace slaves lined the steps on both sides, bent down in supplication, with their heads down and their arms outstretched in front of them. Akhenaten stepped down from the chariot and began long, sure strides up the steps to his throne room. He had been away too long this time, seeing to the temples being erected for himself and his chief bride Nefertiti. The opponents to his monotheistic religion were powerful, rich noblemen and priests. He had recently lost two royal food tasters to poisoned wine and dates. Akhenaten had enemies. As he reached the archway denoting the front of his palace, he untied his cape and let it drop behind him as he kept walking. Two slaves rushed up behind him to gather it up and have it cleaned in rose water and set in his bedchambers for later. The monumental corridor leading to his throne room was lined with honorary statues to the sun disk god Aten. Stone tablets depicting sacrifices being made to Aten lined the walls while a brilliant white light shone overhead, repeating every thirty paces. At the end of the hall, two ten-meter pyramid-shaped stone carvings sat, covered with hieroglyphics describing the god Aten doing battle with and expelling the old gods from the heavens and anointing himself the sun disk god, the one god, with Akhenaten as his soul appointed on earth. The top of both pyramids had the familiar radiating sun symbol, underneath an oblong disk that is said to be the physical body of Aten, dispensing his life-giving powers to his chosen. Akhenaten passed through the archway at the end of the great hall and entered his throne room. High, vaulted ceilings rose up dizzying heights, with every edge lined with gold, every window facing the path of the sun, every panel carved with the tales of Akhenaten's battle victories, and told you this was the center of the world. Pharaoh's chief advisor and royal butler, Paranefer, approached and bowed low as Akhenaten moved to his throne and sat heavily down. "'Greetings, most holy one,' Paranefer said as he dropped to one knee. Akhenaten raised his arms. Rise, old friend. It's good to be home again. What has happened while I've been away? Paranefer rose on command, placing his arms behind him and his head down in deference to his god. Construction continues on the temples to Aten, revered one, 
he said with a sweeping gesture to the windows. Soon every corner of the city will afford a temple to enter and give thanks to Aten. The one god will save his chosen. Pharaoh nodded. And where is my consort? I've been too long without the contact of a woman. She is in her private temple, paying her homage to Aten, my Pharaoh. She spends many hours each day there in solitude, and emerges with visions of the future. Perinefer said the last sentence with a noticeable touch of fear in his voice. Akhenaten nodded wearily. Her visions have been both wise counsel and portent of doom. Aten has gifted her with the sight, and me with the vision to interpret that sight. Together we're to lead the people away from their trivial worship of many gods. The priests who drain the wealth of the people for sacrifices and temples to every god you could think of only serve to line their own pockets. They distract the people from the path of progress and instead stagnate them in useless activities that blind the people in fear. He looked around slowly at the throne room. We will change that. We will put the people back on the path that is set for them. It is the will of Aten. It shall be done. Paranefer bowed low. Yes, my pharaoh. He had long ago learned not to question Akhenaten or Nefertiti in anything, even when they appointed him their trusted advisor. In his service to them, he had seen things he could not explain, things that defied the knowledge of the priests. Paranefer's palace spies have brought him stories of people speaking in hushed tones that she is in fact the true power behind the throne even though he knew himself that Akhenaten elevated her to his equal in power and stature, a move seen as unfavorable by the old priests who believe the place of a woman is behind her man, not standing by his side. Their direct contact with Aten's emissary frightened Perinefer. The emissary would appear at seemingly the exact moment that Pharaoh needed counsel and disappear into private chambers with he and Nefertiti. Standing outside the door at times, he never heard voices, but when they would emerge, they would have a plan for a new temple or a new weapon to be forged for the royal guard. The use of polished metal plates to reflect the streaming sunlight from one plate to another that would send light down long hallways and into darkened rooms to brighten them was seen as magic but soon every temple in the city made use of the same principle to light even the farthest, deepest chambers. Nefertiti had sketched the designs on a parchment for the royal builders as though she were recreating the picture of a tree in her mind. Against their protests at capturing the light of the sun was sacrilege, they constructed the plates and installed them in the open-air throne room. Thereafter, one slave was tasked to constantly adjust the angle of the main plates as the path of the sun moved to properly direct sunlight to the other plates. Raw materials for candles were not in high supply in the city. Using the power of the sun, they were not needed during the day. Nefertiti even experimented with very large, highly reflective polished plates that would heat up when light was directed to them that would allow meat to be seared when placed on that plate. The meat could then be salted and stored away for a later times or eaten after it was charred. Firewood was also in short supply in the desert. Nefertiti's searing plates provided the means to cook as long as the light would allow. This seemingly magical and endless supply of energy was but one of the many miracles Akhenaten and Nefertiti introduced into daily life.
This made them well-liked, and also well-feared, by those who did not like the changes they represented, when it took the power away from them. The emissary would then disappear as quickly as he appeared, sometimes absent for months at a time, and always reappearing at the precise moment change was to occur. It was almost as if it were planned. Akhenaten folded his arms. He gave credit where it was due. Nefertiti's designs for secret traps built into the temples being constructed for their interment defied modern engineers' understanding. Weighted fulcrums, sand-filled upper chambers that opened up and closed secret doors, floors that fell away to a viper-filled pit when stepped upon? Pharaoh laughed. Sometimes she showed him a side of her even he did not know existed. Both Akhenaten and Paranefer were silent in reflection. Then Akhenaten rose and stretched. Go and find the queen. Tell her Pharaoh summons her to his presence. Paranefer bowed low and began backing up. Yes, most revered one. He turned and left at a quick pace to the queen's private chamber. Akhenaten looked around his throne room at all that he had created. Moving the capital from Thebes was against all popular wishes. Building Armana up out of the desert into a center of commerce and beauty was a huge gamble that could have cost him his throne and his life. But Nefertiti's visions from the emissary had pushed him to the decision point. The emissary. This mysterious cloaked figure that appeared in a blast of light twelve years ago in Thebes on the eve of Akhenaten's father's death. Pharaoh Amenhotep III's passing and the first appearance of the emissary were nearly simultaneous. Immediately after ascending the throne, Nefertiti began having these visions. She had woken one night during the first week of Akhenaten's reign and demanded parchment and scribe. In a matter of hours, she had drawn a complete layout of the future city she said they must build to honor the one god, Aten. Akhenaten had initially disagreed with her on moving away from the many gods to the one god, Aten, but she had proven each time with her visions that she could advance his cause. On the eve of battles, she would have a vision of the enemy's strength and weaknesses, and would offer such details as troop locations and size. More than once, Pharaoh had changed his attack plans based on her visions, and always she would be right. He would find enemy encampments exactly as she had foretold, and would decimate them before they had a chance to prepare. Akhenaten was still contemplating her powers of perception when Nefertiti appeared in the throne room. Naked except for a thin golden silk bejeweled wrap that flowed around her generous hips and hung in strands down around her legs, her body was adorned with jewelry. Her wrists were adorned with ornate golden bracelets and golden bands wrapped around her arms from the elbow to the upper arm. A large golden necklace hung down between her breasts with the symbol of Aten inscribed on the face. Her long red hair was pulled back off of her face, tied in a golden band that allowed it to drape down the back to the tip of her hips. It swung gracefully as she moved and side to side as her hips moved. She was the most beautiful of Akhenaten's wives. She padded barefoot up to her husband and gracefully dropped to one knee. Reaching out for his outstretched hand, she took it to her lips and kissed it. Cradling it in her hands, she stroked it across her face lovingly. "'Greetings, my pharaoh. I have longed for your return.' "'Rise, my wife,' he said. As she stood, he drew her to his chest, wrapping his arms around her waist and pulling her head back slightly by her long flowing hair. Their lips met in a passionate kiss that pulled Nefertiti off her feet in his strong embrace. 
For several long moments they kissed. Then he released her slowly, placing her back on her feet. The sight of her naked beauty stirred him. She stood before him with her arms drawn behind her. "'How was your journey, my husband?' she asked with genuine interest. "'The construction of our burial temples continues, my wife. The secret chambers and traps you have designed will assure we are not disturbed in our afterlife.' She nodded. "'And the disposition of the builders after the temples are completed?' "'They will be dealt with by my private guard upon completion of construction.' "'No eyes will remember the inner solitude of the temples,' he replied. Nefertiti nodded gently. "'It must be done, my pharaoh. Our secrets must die with us. The emissary has warned that exposing our plans will plunge the people into chaos of misunderstanding. The path is clear. We must not stray from it.' Pharaoh sighed deeply at her words. "'All is not peace, Nefertiti,' he said. Three of my royal tasters have been poisoned.' Two have died after sampling food meant for my lips. We have enemies. All visionaries have enemies, my husband. We both know the pagan priests are at the root of the upheaval. They see their power over the people being stripped from their greedy hands. Progress does not come without a price. So says the emissary. Akhenaten took a deep breath and sighed deeply. And what of the messenger of Aten? Has he visited the city while I was gone? Nefertiti shook her head negatively. No, my pharaoh, he has not appeared since you left for Karnak. He said his next appearance would require us both to attend him. Akhenaten snorted. Require, you say? He acts as though we are children incapable of determining our own destinies. He provides only cryptic hints at his intentions and leaves us to plan and implement the change ourselves. If we are placed here, as he says, to lead the people back to the path of enlightenment that is the living universe, perhaps he could just say, do this, or build that, instead of half-thoughts and parables. Nefertiti chuckled slightly. The emissary believes man must bring about his own change in order to better embrace it. Otherwise, he will see change as a cage. A gilded cage, perhaps, but still a cage. We are the vessels of change that will guide the people to enlightenment of the one God. And he promised his next visit will change everything. Her words made him raise his head and look directly at her. Indeed, more change, with us seen as targets for those who do not embrace such change. Nefertiti bowed her head. I understand, my pharaoh. It is natural to fear the death of the new vision we bring, and that the people will not embrace the universal truths we bring to them. Akhenaten unsheathed his sword and raised it up, then tossed it across the floor with a whip of his right hand. It spun and clanged along the polished metal surface until it struck the far wall, bouncing off the wall and spinning back out onto the floor, where it spun in a circle, before slowly coming to rest with the blade pointing directly at an obelisk rendering of Aten descending to earth amid waves of bright light. "'You are right, my queen. I do not fear death. Death in the cause of your destiny is the most worthy way. What I fear is more visceral, more basic.' He shrugged his broad shoulders. "'I fear what all leaders fear, being forgotten to history. We spend our entire reign erecting monuments to tell people we were here with this life-changing message for humanity.' But once we're gone, and have moved on to the next level of existence, who will be the stewards of our accomplishments? Only our temples of stone and gold, 
and the hope that those that come after us will continue the path we have started. Pharaoh fell silent, his most private secret now finally revealed to his wife. Do not think lesser of me, my queen. My destiny is written, I shall see it through. As have those before me, as will those who come after me. Nefertiti dropped to both knees and embraced Akhenaten's waist. I love you, my Pharaoh. Your destiny is my destiny. I will gladly walk with you wherever it takes us. Akhenaten pulled her to his feet. For the present, it takes you to our bedchambers. I will find comfort in your touch and release in your embrace. Nefertiti smiled and reached for his hands. Taking them in her own, she placed them on her shoulders and with slow, deliberate timing pulled them down over her chest, running the palms of his hands over her breasts. She moaned as he grasped them briefly, her head falling back. Akhenaten suddenly howled in laughter and, reaching under her legs, scooped her up in his arms. She wrapped her arms around his neck as he moved with quickening steps to his bedchamber. He shouted back to Perinefer as he strode down the hallway. Have my taster bring wine and some of that charred meat. Fresh, mind you. If they survive the tasting, send some of the meat to his family. I feel generous this day. Yes, my pharaoh, Perinefer shouted back. He smiled at seeing his god at his ease in these troubling times. He watched them disappear down the hall, with only the low, whispered words they spoke to each other echoing after they had left. Then he turned and clapped his hands twice, summoning two slaves. The pharaoh dines! Prepare his meal as he commands, and be quick before the sunlight fades, or face the lash! The slaves backed away and ran as fast as they could to the royal stores, to fetch fresh-killed oxen steaks to char on Queen Nefertiti's searing tray. Welcome back to the Awakening Chronicles. Now let's take some time and discuss part one of chapter two and where it's taking us. We've met Ap Emperor Akhenaten and his Queen Nefertiti as they struggle to lead their people away from the worship of many gods to that of the one god, Aten. This is not an easy or a comfortable task, as, and Akhenaten admits that he has enemies, with several attempts on his life, indicating not everyone has the same vision as he and Nefertiti for the future of Egypt. Akhenaten succeeded to the throne upon the death of his father, Emperor Amenhotep III. Almost immediately after his passing, the emissary appeared to he and Nefertiti, promising them a new future for Egypt if they followed his instructions. Fearing him at first, they cautiously enacted his plan, each time winning victories against his enemies in battle, moral victories on behalf of his people, and technological victories in science. Nefertiti's invention of the solar-powered light reflection disks, allowing the inner chambers of buildings to be lit brightly, thus reducing the need for resources for candle or firewood, was very important as both were very scarce commodities in the desert. Nefertiti took that concept a little further, inventing the metal searing plates of highly polished metal that sunlight is reflected onto, heating up the metal to the point that raw meat can be cooked or seared on it, again without the need for conventional fire. These inventions themselves drew fear from the priests of the old religion, claiming that Nefertiti was stealing the life force of the gods to work this black magic for the use of the common man. Nefertiti also appeared to be able to sense the battle plans of Egypt's enemies, sometimes having visions of troop encampments and attack strategies. This was something that Akhenaten began to accept without question, 
as it allowed him to conquer his enemies and advance his cause through seemingly magical means. This also made her a person as having demon-like powers, someone to be feared and not opposed. For those of you out there who love a good story but simply don't have the time to read, we have the answer. The complete audiobook version of Awakening Eye of the Scalian can be ordered from our website, awakeningtheseries.com. Over eight hours of narration by yours truly, covering voices for every character. You can sit and listen as the past, present, and future of the human race is exposed and forever changed by the actions of one man. Order your copy today. Now we'll take you back to ancient Egypt and complete our reading of Chapter 2 of Awakening, Eye of the Scalian. We've met Emperor Akhenaten and Queen Nefertiti and learned of their plans to advance the cause of the people of Egypt at the expense of their own safety and popularity. We've heard Akhenaten's fears and his determination to see this through, along with the help and counsel of his queen, Nefertiti. Where their journey will take them and what part will the mysterious emissary play in the future of mankind's evolution has yet to be seen. Fasten your seatbelts, keep both hands inside the car. Here we go with part two of Evolution 2.0. The light of day was fading, and the palace slaves had filled the oil lamps and lit them. The flames danced on the walls of the palace, painting brief, fleeting shadows that sometimes appeared to take shape. Akhenaten was on his back, snoring slightly. Nefertiti curled around his body with her own. She was awake, with her head resting on his chest. She listened to his slow, regular breathing as his chest lifted her head with each inhale and lowered it with each exhale. She was completely at ease with her life. Both of them had always known they had been destined to rule. Akhenaten's father had clung to the old ways, the worship of many gods. As so many before him, he held the same beliefs for his people. But they had seen the true God, the God of enlightenment. The emissary's visits and her own waking visions that always came painfully into her head told them that the true way was before them and that they had to bring this enlightenment to the world. She was beginning to drift off to sleep again when the door to their bedchambers groaned and swung open slowly. The noise echoed back down the hall like a faraway battle horn sounding to muster the troops to battle. Paranefer entered, head bowed low and arms out in supplication. A thousand pardons, my queen. I beg forgiveness for disturbing your rest. What is it, Paranefer? she asked, not raising her head from her husband's chest. The emissary, my queen. He is in the outer chamber. He sends this message. The time has come for the future to be embraced. Nefertiti rose gently to a sitting position, not disturbing her sleeping pharaoh. Very well. We will arrive presently. See to the emissary's needs until our arrival. Yes, my queen, he said without ever lifting his head. He backed slowly out of the room, pulling the door shut with another echoing groan of its weight on the metal hinges. Nefertiti sat silent for a few moments pulling her long red hair through her fingers. Then she leaned over and kissed her husband's lips gently. First one eye opened, then the other. Akhenaten smiled and pulled her close. It is time, my pharaoh, she said simply. He nodded slowly, then rose and reached for his robes of state. 
Quickly, two palace slaves rushed in from darkened corners of the room to help dress him in his crown and jewelry of state, in preparation for a council with the emissary of Aten. The emissary was standing in the middle of the throne room. Covered in robes, his appearance, as everything else about him, was a mystery. Only two piercing green eyes shone out through the hood of his robe, giving the onlooker the fear of their life from this being who seemed more devil than God. Hocknotten strode into the throne room with Nefertiti to his left, her right arm placed on his outstretched left. Upon hearing them, the emissary turned and faced them. He moved forward to Pharaoh, his arms outstretched. Akhenaten extended his own arms. As they met, they grasped each other's arms in the symbol of greeting. They leaned their heads forward to the point of touching at the forehead. Akhenaten felt a tingle as his skin contacted the cold, clammy forehead of the emissary. His sight blurred a second, and his temples burned slightly. Then the pain was gone. They released their grasp, and the emissary repeated the action with Nefertiti. Pharaoh rubbed his temples a second until they were through. "'Greetings, emissary of the one god, Aten,' he said, as he had said hundreds of times before. The voice that replied was little more than a hiss, with a slight genderless humming. "'Greetings, Pharaoh Akhenaten and Queen Nefertiti. May you live forever.' Pharaoh smiled. "'Would that were true, we would see our plans through to completion.' But we have only a short time on this world to do our duty before moving on to the next level of existence. And only Aten knows what the future holds after we have turned back to dust. The emissary lowered his arms to his side. Know that you do the work of the one God, who will guide his chosen through the ages until they return home. Nefertiti stepped closer and placed herself between them. What news does the emissary bring us that cannot wait for my pharaoh to be properly welcomed home from his work? She asked. The emissary blinked his eyes twice. The light that shone from them lit the inside of his hood. For twelve cycles you have done the bidding of Aten for the good of your people, Akhenaten. You have served the cause through good times and bad, without faltering or questioning what you did not understand. We do the work of the one, emissary, Akhenaten said. All will be revealed one day. That day comes sooner than you think, Pharaoh, the emissary hissed through wet-sounding teeth. The move to the one god is not favorable to those who benefited from the old ways. Your death will see the end of the reign of the one god, but only for a short time in the grander scheme of things. Know that all you and Queen Nefertiti do here will not be lost to time. Your names will sound louder than any temple that man can build of the true way of the one God. Then our efforts are well spent, Nefertiti responded. I have always had the sense that forward movement is not without stumbling backwards. If our lives are to be given for that forward movement, the sacrifice is a worthy one. The emissary shifted his stance a bit. This life is fleeting, but the essence of life is eternal, my children. You will be reborn into another life when the time is right, and continue the work of the One. The emissary moved to the center of the darkening room, lit only now by oil lamps. But now it is important that you feel the truth in your souls. Prepare to be enlightened, he said with a wave of his right hand. Suddenly a blinding white light appeared to his left, assaulting their eyes and making them back up, covering their faces. 
A high-pitched whine accompanied the light, and they could feel the hair on their skin rising as if magically commanded to do so. The center of the light pulsed in different colors as the hum rose and fell in tone. Then it dimmed slowly as if extinguished like a flame. Standing before them were two figures. Much taller than the emissary, they towered over him. Pharaoh, tall as he was, stood barely chest-level to both of them. One was male, judging by his stance, the other a delicate female. The male wore a jackal's head of gold, the ears rising far over his head. His eyes glowed green, as did the emissaries. He held a staff of gold with ornate carvings and adorned with jewels. The tip of the staff pulsed red. His body was completely covered in golden robes, except for his hands. Long, thin fingers extended out, tipped with sharp claws. Still, the hand moved delicately and gracefully. The female was smaller, but similarly clad. The jackal's head was wrapped in a jewel-laced necklace that circled the head, meeting in the front of the neck in the form of tie, which then extended down to the front of her chest. A similar pulsing jewel was at the end of the necklace. The two jewels pulsed in unison on and off, as if joined to each other. The sight of these two figures appearing in a flash of light dropped Nefertiti to her knees with her head dropped to the floor, arms out in a pose of supplication. Akhenaten dropped to one knee, his arms crossed in front of his chest. The figures turned to look at each other, then back to the trio facing them. The glowing jewels changed from red to blue, a softer hue, but still an exact time, each with the other. The humming slowly droned down to silence. Pharaoh broke the silence. Emissary, what magic is this? Do you bring us proof of the many gods to mock our work for the one? He asked incredulously. No, Akhenaten, I bring you certification of your effort, he replied, as he slowly moved toward the two figures. I am but the emissary of Aten, the one come to earth to set the path for the chosen. Before you now are the great architects of that plan. Osiris and his bride, Isis. He waved his hand ceremoniously. The two figures turned forward slightly, acknowledging the introduction. Greetings, children of the One, Osiris said, his voice echoing from his mask. The sound was deeper than the emissaries, a commanding tone that reverberated through the entire great hall as if shouted through one of Nefertiti's magnifying cones she had invented to allow commands over long troop lines much quicker than relaying from person to person. The sound pounded their eardrums, but strangely brought no pain. These two were definitely not the same as the emissary, but appeared to work in concert with him. We acknowledge your work here for the one, and come here to reward you for your lifetime of service, he continued. As the emissary says, your life force will extend far beyond your flesh and blood's extinction. While your body lies in your eternal temples, your souls will be rekindled for a new task when the time is come. The female Isis moved forward a single step. Her voice was higher pitched, more melodic, but still commanding in its power. The work of the one is before time and after time. When this world was but a lifeless ball of rock and dirt, the one brought life to it. His chosen rose to bring life to the world. As with all things, the cycles of life and death spiral around each other, intertwined eternally, one unable to exist without the other. Such a cycle is now. 
Pharaoh, you and your queen's years of service will soon end. Just as those who came before you, others will come after you to advance the cause. The path to enlightenment is a double-edged blade. The clean cut it makes also leaves a trail of blood, life, and death. Osiris joined hands with Isis. As their hands touched, the glowing jewels pulsed and became brilliant yellow, the color of the sun, and of the sun god. For your contribution to the One, we allow you to see and attain the level of understanding we all seek as individuals. In front of Osiris and Isis, a blade of light streamed down from the opening in the roof of the throne room. As with the appearance of the two architects of the One, the light pulsed as something appeared to take shape in the beam. When the light extinguished, standing before them was a golden container sitting upright on four curved legs. Rectangular in shape, the lid covering the container rose to a peak from left to right, ending in a series of spikes that ran the length of the peak. Osiris raised his hands. A hum accompanied the movement. Now gaze on the path of the One, so that you may better understand and do his bidding. The top of the box slowly began to swing open. At the first crack of opening, a brilliant light shone through the slit when the lid separated from the base. Akhenaten and Nefertiti were frozen in place, mesmerized as their brains were pierced with sudden flashes of events long ago and images of places and people strangely dressed that they did not recognize. The scene changed to a single thought that was burned into their brains. The human race traveling along a long, gently rising path that led upward into the heavens. As far as the eye could see, people of all colors and cultures were walking, each holding the hand of the one in front of and behind themselves. Spaced equidistant between each changing of cultures were the others, clad in dark trappings of robes and hoods. A glow surrounded each of the others. Pharaoh and Nefertiti felt drawn to the glow, as if it held the answers to all of their questions. But as they reached for it, they were pulled back, falling downward along the path, past the uncounted that were trekking forward. Then the image went dark. They were both standing with their hands outstretched as reaching for the path they had just witnessed. They were covered in sweat. Nefertiti was sobbing softly. "'What does this mean, Lord Osiris?' Pharaoh demanded. "'Are we to be taunted with this promise of eternal bliss, only to have it taken from us?' "'No, Akhenaten!' It simply means your place in this line has not yet been written. Your work here continues. When it is time for you to pass from here, you will join your brethren, who even now walk the path to enlightenment. All will be made clear at that time. Osiris raised his hand again to summon the beam of pulsing light. It engulfed the golden container. When it extinguished, the box was gone. Isis turned to Pharaoh. There is one who was bred as you to lead the Chosen after your reign has ended. His time is not yet at hand, but in the eyes of the universe it is but the blink of an eye. He, too, will question his beliefs, but in the end lead the Chosen to their destiny. He is already beginning to sense his place in the line. I believe you are aware of whom I speak. Akhenaten nodded slowly as the realization of his own feelings was confirmed. He served my father well in the royal army. Though he was not born of this land, he was raised as royalty and served my father faithfully. 
I have always suspected he was brought here for a greater purpose. He is to be protected at all costs, Pharaoh. His actions to come will forward the line. You are here with charge with his safety so that he may embrace his destiny just as you and Nefertiti have done. I understand, Lady Isis, Akhenaten said with a deep exhale. I will do what I have been bred to do in order to serve the one. Osiris stepped back two steps. Our time here is ended for now. The future is left to you and your queen. Know that whatever your own fate, you will be rewarded and joined together again in the next life. Be well, Pharaoh and Queen of Egypt. A third time the blinding light descended into the throne room, engulfing Osiris and Isis. The center of the beam pulsed once again, then the room was dark. They were once again alone with the emissary. He turned to them both. I too must take my leave. Events are forthcoming that will change everything. My destiny lies along a different path. We shall not meet again, but you have the knowledge now that what you do is right and just. Stay the course, and we shall meet in the next life. The emissary turned without further word and disappeared into the darkened entrance of the throne room. His silhouette reached the doorway, then turned for a final look back. He waved a clawed hand once, then was gone into the night, never to return. Nefertiti slowly padded over to her husband and embraced him tightly. They stood in silence for some moments, still trying to make sense of all they had seen this night. Pharaoh looked down at her and kissed the top of her head softly. My queen, we have work to do. Find Perinefer and have him summon the one of whom they speak. We must discuss the future. He looked upward at the night sky as a shooting star streaked by directly overhead. Bring me General Moses. And there you have Chapter 2, Evolution 2.0. In this segment, we finally meet the emissary, as once again he arrives just at the moment our two leaders appear to need him most. He confirms to both of them that what they've been doing is the way it has to be and allows them a glimpse of their own future. He then introduces them to two more strange godlike creatures, Osiris and Isis, who show them a frightening yet strangely comforting vision of the future of humanity and where their place in the line of succession will lead. Then they and the emissary leave in flashes of light, never to return leaving them to together shape the future of Egypt in particular and the human race in general. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. To bring a project of this size to the screen takes countless hours of work from dedicated individuals with the same vision to elevate storytelling to the next level. But it also takes something else. It takes funding for software, resources, and production. We'll soon be launching a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo for Awakening and ask for help from enthusiastic fans of science fiction like you who want to see this story told in the exciting new mediums of augmented reality and virtual reality and to be a part of the new interactive age we live in from the ground floor. We can't do it without your help and support. Sign up on our website, www.awakeningtheseries.com. And watch your inbox for notice of our Indiegogo funding campaign. Help us set the sci-fi world on fire with the Awakening Trilogy.
Next week, we have a special treat for you. We jump forward in time to the year 2388 and meet another mysterious man, aptly named John Doe, as he awakens on Earth unaware of where he is or even who he is. As he stumbles through this futuristic world of humans and aliens and begins to understand that he is faced with a wrong, he sets out to find his own destiny while literally awakening everyone around him to the reality of what's been hidden from them for centuries. For my partner, Lou Casabianca, I'm Doug Green, reminding you to question everything, because everything you know about history is a lie. Until next time, take care.